Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the rain-soaked streets of Gotham to the quiet little inbred white trash mountain town. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I am, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, a, you know, how are you? Uh, you know, it's it's... It's a crazy time we live in. People are trying to buy Greenland. Movies are coming. Oh, look. I like to timestamp it at least once during an episode so people know where they're at. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It was that week. Oh, fuck. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine. It's, it's whatever. It's, ugh. It's been, a, it's been a week. Yes, it has. <laughs> I'll say this. The wife threw me an excellent party for, for the birthday and everything, which was nice. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was quite nice. Actually, that kind of leads us perfectly into our movies of the week, because I actually went and saw two movies this week on my birthday, as is the tradition. But I want to hear about yours first. Tyler, what was the best movie you saw this week? I haven't had time to go see any movies. Holy Um, crap. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. I do have one. I did watch one. The other other movie I can't talk about because we're going to talk about it later, but I did watch one, and that is I rewatched the movie Bridesmaids, which is very good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very very good. Very funny movie. Okay. That's really all I have. Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Good. You know, we... I, I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm looking at the little counter right here and we didn't start exactly at this time, but it's been running for like three minutes. We've never been this far into the show this quickly. So just to prolong this, I'm going to say uh, counterpoint. I don't think Bridesmaids is funny at all. Ah, you know, different strokes. Can you explain why that movie's funny? Mm. Tell me what it is you think that is funny about that movie, because I sat there for two hours and I was just like, fuck all these people. They suck. I don't like any of these people. So... Like basic foundation of comedy is like one person is the straight man and one person isn't. I don't know. That movie is just I don't know. I just like it. It's just it's just good and funny. I don't I don't know. Well, as... I'm a comedy snob and I like it. You know what? That's absolutely fine. I I just I don't get it. Like I honestly have tried three times to watch it. and I've gotten through it once, and the other two times I've stopped because I'm like, no, I just don't think I'm wrong. I just I uh. This is weirdly like kind of how I felt or I think you felt you feel about Hereditary in Midsummer. Like I feel that way about this movie and not all of Paul Feig's movies, but a good chunk of them. We will probably be talking about a movie where I feel that sort of same thing about later. So interesting. Like Don't later, feel bad about later, it. later in this show, later in this episode. Yeah. Oh, OK. Interesting. Well, it was my birthday, and I got up, and I saw Hobbs and Shaw, and I Ugh. saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and Sense and Sensibility. Those are the three movies. I did not see Sense and Sensibility in a theater. I watched that this morning when I woke up. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's such a curveball. I know, it is. Because you're tempted to hear about the other two, but at the same time, you're like, what's he got to say about Sense and Sensibility? 
Uh, how about this? How about this? I went so short. How about you pick two? Fair enough. I'll count this as your birthday gift if you let me do two. Okay, yeah. We'll do Hobbs and Shaw and we'll do Sense and Sensibility. Hobbs and Shaw is a mindless two and a half hour long over the top spy drama. And I've said this to two people. If that movie had been playing and The Rock had walked in and everyone would have been like, woo! And like he would have been like, hey guys, I'm really glad you're enjoying this. The thing is, I could really use some help and he just dropped his pants. I'd be like... No one else is going to do it, huh? Well, okay, here we go. That man is so fucking good. And Jason Statham is equally fucking great as well. It's fun. It's great. Idris Elba at one point uses the line, and I'll throw it in here. I'm Black Superman. And it's fucking so good. And the thing is, I think they realize that this movie, even though it is a big-budget spy movie, is just two guys breaking each other's balls the entire time. It's a buddy cop movie, and it works really well. I don't like The Rock. Is there enough Jason Statham in this movie to Sta- overcome? Sta- Statham, Statham's in it just as much. Like, there was a whole thing, apparently, that came out recently about, like, both of them had to be on screen as close to equal amount of time as possible. God. 50-50 book, and I love it. I love mm-hmm. I love The Rock is taking wrestling ideas and putting them into mainstream movies. It's definitely going to work out super well and can't absolutely go horribly backfire on anybody. Hey, but isn't that how we got the French New Wave? Wasn't some big budget like director doing something stupid like that and then fucked everyone over and we had to rebirth with something new? Uh, no. No? Okay, Not well, really. maybe maybe this will happen then. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want from me? I didn't make the movie. Screw you. It was fun. It's my birthday. I'll do what I want. I'm incapable of being wrong. Yes, um, I'm not. I'm not talking you. I'm talking the Rock. There's a difference. Yeah, fuck scary stories to tell in the dark. There, I said it. Um, bad? Not bad. It's just don't make a fucking PG-13 movie based off of really, really well done like short. Th- it it just doesn't work. Wait a minute, but they're kids. That's a kids book. Yeah, it's a kids book, but it's a fucking terrifying kids book. I'll give them credit. Like the monsters look really good, but like it just doesn't work as an idea. You should have just made the short stories instead of having a plot revolving around them. Okay. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And Sense and Sensibility. I Halfway through, I, I sat up and no one was in the house. And I'm glad because I, I think I said it out loud. I said, oh, my God, it's just like 90s Pride and Prejudice. like And like not in the sense of that it being Jane Austen, but like, oh, they just they did the exact same idea. They took a big budget version of a Jane Austen book and really treated it properly. When did this movie come out? 1995, I believe. Is that is that the Ang Lee Yes, it is. The Emma Thompson one? Yes. That is a fucking masterpiece. It's such a good movie. It's it's really enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I don't like it as much as Pride and Prejudice, but I do I do appreciate what it's doing. I, I fucking hate Hugh Grant. He's so good in this movie. Alan yeah. Rickman, fucking charm factory. It's like, who would have guessed Alan Rickman totally gets to put it to Kate Winslet by the end of that movie? Oh, boy. But I'm just saying, like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to get some of that. Some of that hot young Kate Winslet. Good oh, for boy. him. Okay, I mean, all right. Like, he's getting to her before Jack gets to her. You Stop know what it. that means? If Stop it. Stop it. I can't do this bit. <laughs> my birthday, Jamie. I'm not wrong. I, can't, I, can't wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was like five days after my birthday I was watching it, but still. And then you have, who does Emma Thompson marry? She marries, I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird little movie because like it just kind of goes for a while and then you're like, oh yeah, by the way, everyone's kind of happy at the end. Sure. That's kind of what, Jane Austen and like really sort of like her books are. I mean, I just want to put it to you. He's going to Hans her Gruber. He's going to Snape her, whatever the first name Snape's name is. I don't know. But yeah, no, I was, I was very, I think Snape's name is Snape Snape. I don't think it's Snape Snape. (laughs) Agent Snape Snape reporting for duty. 
Sever Snape, Snape he's motherfucker. Gonna his, he's gonna sever us her Snape. But yeah, no, it was it was just very charming. And yeah, no, Angley Angley's quite good at like taking like something that I almost would think would be like would throw him completely and like really handles it well. Yeah, like the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. The Hulk? The oh Hulk. yeah. Oh fuck, that's right. <laughs> See, now you've made me, I have to go find that stupid robot chicken clip of them talking about the backstory of Hulk. Hulk movie, very clear to me. Comic book meet, slow, beautiful haiku. Pretty bird, oh, pretty bird, how Hulk sings so high. Sounds fascinating. It surely will not be huge flop that ruined my career. Surely. <laughs> oh, God. Where oh. I got that part out? <laughs> well... I guess I guess that's the best things we've watched this week. <laughs> so, already off the rails. Yeah, we we really did. So the lights have oh gone down and the band is starting to play and I gotta get up there and I gotta introduce the first one. And the first one is a movie that came out December twenty-fifth, nineteen ninety-three. This movie came out on Christmas. Which, I don't know if that means what it means today, but somebody had faith that this movie was going to go be seen by a lot of people. Now, this movie is based on, and is the, kind of I would say, the ending point in some ways of the animated series, which was Batman the Animated Series. It is a movie that is based in the same universe as it, and is about a character from... The Dark Knight's Past. And this is a very fascinating movie because it also brings up the question of where does this fall in the canon and the mythos of not only Batman as a character in film, but Batman as a character of all. I could keep going into this. We could talk about all the stuff. I could give you all the breakdown, but I'm simply going to say this. We are now going to talk about maybe the earliest memory I have of The Dark Knight in what is 1993's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Why did the Joker meet with you? <laughs> it has to do with the gangster murders, doesn't it? He thinks you're involved. Why? I don't know. <laughs> That's not the answer I want. B Boma needed me to help him and his kid get out of town. He kept in touch. When was the last time you spoke to him? Years ago, my first election campaign, I was running out of money and asked Beaumont for help. <laughs> he said no. So you sold him to the mob. <laughs> I was broke, desperate. They said all they wanted was their money back. <laughs> This is my first question to you, Tyler. What is your relationship with the character of the Dark Knight? I'm not a big comic book guy. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've gotten that. No, I, I didn't have a clue when you picked Ghost World and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World as your comic book adaptation. Okay, so Granted, for Westerns, you picked books. fucking Tombstone, which is a good movie. It's Tombstone a good movie. is a Western, you son of a bitch. Don't you tell me about what it is. I was expecting some, like, fucking, like, John Wayne You tell Wayne him I'm shit. coming. 
anyway. <laughs> and hell's coming with me. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, Batman. Like, where does he fall in your pantheon of like superheroes? And there are two superheroes that I remember like as a child really loving, and then like have still rem- like have a lot of like admiration for. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've gotten older, one is Batman, the other one is Spider Man. And so I do really like Batman. I don't necessarily love like the super dark gritty Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of love like a more balanced version of the of the of the Dark Knight. But you know, I think I got like a nice balance with, at least with this movie and the animated series. I think kind of gives okay. you a little bit more and, levity. And that leads me actually to my next question: Did you watch the animated series? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Okay. I've been meaning to go back since they they did a remaster of it not too long ago. I remember. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've been meaning to check it out again. I own the whole thing on on DVD, and it's it's really nice. Like it's it would I would argue that this might be the best ever. Like this might be one of the best adaptations of a character on a long form running thing. Like nobody has ever quite gotten Batman right on a series level the way this show did. I don't know how much of an affinity you do of have for like the Adam West Batman. I, I love the Adam West Batman, but when it comes to accurately portraying it, because like that's like that's oh, not like no, I, it's I, a great Batman. It's a great Batman, but it's not the Batman that was originally conceived. Completely different type. Oh yeah, of... but it's great. I also it's own like, that as well. Yes, kind of love. I kind of love goofy bullshit Batman. Oh, goofy bullshit Batman is great. Hey, dude, when we're when we're done with the uh, thing next week, you and I can go in the house and watch Goofy Bullshit Batman for like three hours if you want. Oh, God, yeah, we'll that. just drink. We'll just drink and watch Goofy Bullshit Batman. I do really love Goofy Bullshit Batman. Right, um, let's do it. I'll say that that's my first exposure to Batman. I'm pretty sure. I think it's, it's um, probably mine too. It's like my parents like watching old Batman episodes. Yep. Yep, mine uh, was a Mr. Freeze episode, which I would later find out Mr. Freeze was played by Otto Preminger. Whoa. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that mind-blowing to hear? <laughs> Weird. I know. It was so great. Like, they got him to be like, he'd be like, oh, wild. Like, and he would just like, he would just grab at his eyebrow. It's the funniest episode you've ever seen. I, I got a feeling that Otto Preminger absolutely loved doing that. Probably. He got to wear, like, silver makeup and stuff. Oh, my God. So, yes, Batman, the character. I mean, do we need to tell anyone what Batman's origin story is? Uh, no, because I feel like they've seen it multiple yep. times. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they bring it up in this movie a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, the opening of this movie has guys, like, making a deal in some back room. And... Batman busts in through the window and he messes a bunch of them up. One of them runs off. And it's just Batman on a case. Like, that's how you open it. It opens like it's a comic book almost. Like, this is just, like, where you come in. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a a smart opening because if you know Batman, you kind of... I don't know. It, it, if you know what you're in for, you kind of... It's a good way to open it up because it's just like, hey, he's just normal stuff. And then, like, the turn happens. And it becomes like a serious case. Agreed. Well, and the one person you hear talk outside of the always great cartoon mumblings of a crowd of a group of people or a crowd is Chucky Saul. And Chucky Saul is voiced by, by the way, this movie is an animated movie. Don't forget our stipulation was animated movies this week. Yeah, we should forget uh, to bring it back up. <laughs> is voiced by uh, Dick Miller. I know that name. 
Dick Miller plays the old man who lives next door to the main character in Gremlins, the Mr. Futterman, who's like, he goes, gotta watch out uh, okay. for them Gremlins, Billy's oh. like drunk. Yeah. Oh, Dick Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Dick, Dick Miller. In a, in a yeah, hundred yeah. different things. Yeah, he's in Chopping Mall. I don't know why that's the first thing I'm thinking of, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which movie? I'm sorry. Chopping Mall. I don't know Chopping Mall. Oh, Chopping Mall is great. It's a slasher movie where robots uh, blow people's heads up using lasers. In a shopping mall in... Wow, you are, you are really, really, really just digging the bottom of the barrel of Dick Miller's career, it uh, like. Dick Miller, he plays a janitor. He was, uh, he was like a day he, role. He plays a janitor in a lot of things, it feels yeah. like. However, yeah. here he gets to play Chucky Saul, who appears to be like a pretty high-level gangster. Yeah. Would you... Okay, sorry. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Chucky Saul runs out of the room before Batman can grab him. He's got like a bunch of money or something. And Chucky Saul is all of a sudden confronted by a character who I'll say it, no one had ever seen at this point. This is a 100% original character. Original OC, do not steal. And this is the character of the Phantasm, who appears to be like dispensing like its own version of justice. Is it not based loosely off of a different character from year two? I think I read that. Oh, is that true? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, the character's called the Reaper. He only ever appeared in that comic book, but so they, like, kind of gussied him up to make him less, um, I'll say it, shitty looking. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to look up a picture of the Reaper. I'm just looking at Batman Year Two, Fear of the Reaper. Okay. It's a real Todd McFarlane looking ass. That's what it sounds like, too. Yeah. character sounds like a Todd McFarlane. It's not great looking. Oh yeah, no, this doesn't work. I mean, I mean, I will say this: I don't think it's as much like that. And I think, I think Paul Dini and Bruce Tim and all the people who were behind the show. By the way, they brought it's. This kind of reminds. It's funny about this. This reminds me a lot of almost like the Alfred Hitchcock presents Psycho move. Like it feels like they said like, well, you you got to do a Batman movie, and they're like, okay, but we want to bring like our whole crew, and they kind of just let them. Which is probably why this movie is written so well. Oh my God, it is. By the way. Don't the reason this movie probably didn't do well in theaters? Kids don't know what a flashback is. We don't know <laughs> when time is moving around. Fuck, that was confusing as a kid. I was sitting there. I'm like, boy, they are terrible at animating Alfred's hair the same color. By the way, Alfred's hair is totally the way you can tell where you are in the fucking show. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, by the, I, and, and I'm gonna get this out of the way now. Alfred having the joke of coming into a room, seeing that two people are about to get it on and then turning around and walking out <laughs> slays every time they might do it four times. And it's so funny every time. Oh my God. It's the fucking Abe Simpson, like walking into the brothel whistling and like taking the hat off. Oh, God damn it. Turning around, putting the hat back on. I just want to get that as the new one. <laughs> are you having sex, Mr. Wayne? Yes. <laughs> So this character takes like vengeance out on Chucky Saul. He says, your angel of death is here. Chucky Saul crashes his car. Batman comes and sees it happen. And it, from a certain perspective, could look like Batman was maybe the one who did it because people saw him from up high. He sees that there's some mist. He chases it. The person who was this phantasm is gone. And that's where you kind of start the case of trying to figure out who the phantasm is. Well, it helps that the Phantasm kind of sort of looks like the Bat. Oh, yes, look, that also does help. If, you, if you're like, or like from far away, you're like, that could be the Batman, I suppose. That's probably true. 
I mean, however, I will get, and I'll, oh God, we're going to get to him. So this movie is about this character, this phantasm, this ghost of, it looks like a ghost is the way I best can put it. Well, maybe we can throw a picture in the show notes or something for them. It looks like and a phantasm. It does look like a phantasm. <laughs> and at the same time, this ghost comes into, this ghost comes into his life. At the same time, there's also this woman who comes back into Bruce's life. And this woman was a woman from Bruce's past. We've never met this woman before. And her name is Andrea Beaumont. By the way, who's getting the Beanie Fieldstein rub now? Is this Dana... Is it Dana Delaney? Dana Delaney? Yeah, Dana Delaney. Delaney getting the rub, both in Tombstone and in this. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. That's why you brought her up. And then, yeah, okay. All right. At the same time, Batman also, as his other character, Bruce Wayne meets this woman named Andrea Beaumont, who has come back into his life. And they were lovers at a much younger age. What would you say? How old would you say Bruce was? Oh, God. I hear college, I think. Like, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like it seems like it's one of those like first like young, like first loves, like first adult loves. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Like early, early 20s, early to like early to like 22, 23 like about to graduate college. Agreed. Yeah. So he meets Andrea Beaumont. The two of them kind of strike up this kind of, I mean, it's, they kind of fall for each other. And this is also like happening. They, t- and like I said, children don't know flashbacks. Cause when this first happened I, as a kid, I was like, well, that's weird. Like he's, you see him as Batman at the start. And now all of a sudden he's not Batman. Like, cause you don't realize you flashback. Andrea and him is taking place in the past. Like everything with Andrea and him together is in the past. Like you mm-hmm. don't realize it till like halfway through. You're like, oh, they actually haven't been in the same room together yet. Yeah. I think that's a really neat. It really feels like a neat uh, storytelling trick is mm-hmm. to kind of like go back and like explain like what happens because it is like Andrea Beaumont is like not really a comic character. At no, least, no, she's I not. I don't think she is. Like, they could have done this with Selena Kyle, probably, but they eh. didn't. They decided to take a risk and go with a character who was just, like, wholly original. And it, it I think it actually is kind of admirable. Yeah, OC, do not steal. <laughs> I like the wraparound story. I like that they, when they meet, they kind of bond over the fact that they both have, like, dead parents. Well, yeah, that's right, because the first time they meet is in a graveyard, and Andrea's talking to her mother, and Bruce is there, and she he sees it, and he thought she was talking to him, and they kind of strike up this little talk, and they realize, oh, we both have baggage, which is dead parents, we can connect over this. Mm-hmm. It's not like they don't, it's not like the thing they solely connect over, but it is like an in for them to start like actually talking to one another. Okay, so which is nice. We talked about Dana Delaney, which is fine. She's really good in this. I actually think she's one of the strongest parts. There is a really heartbreaking moment at the end of this movie. Actually, there's two that are really, really heartbreaking. Um, and she delivers both of those lines. They really give her a lot to do in this, considering this is 1993 and like not only just parts for women, but probably voice parts for women were few and far between. Kevin Conroy is maybe the best Batman. I, I don't know how better to say it. Like there is, I, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's cause he doesn't have more to do or less to do. Kevin Conroy is so good as Batman. He is a very good Batman. Would he be your favorite 
Batman? I mean, it's so hard because there's not a physical performance to that. But at the same time, yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't know if I can say right now that he's my favorite Batman, but I can say in terms of a voice actor as Batman, yes, he is my favorite person who voices Batman. In terms of favorite Batman, I would have to think about it. I wouldn't be prepared to give it like overall. But if it comes to just straight up voice acting, yes. And the thing, I wrote this about it. I said, Kevin Conroy really gets to do something unique and does something that would maybe put him in the conversation for Best Batman. He gets to explore the character of Bruce Wayne because this is the other reason this movie might not have done well. Batman's not on screen a ton of this movie. No, he has like a like one big action scene. That's about it. I mean, he's got a little couple things in like 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 jumping around Gotham and like hiding outside of windows and stuff. But I mean, not much. It does the thing about Batman that I like the most, which is like Batman, like just investigating stuff and not necessarily having to be a, like a fighter. Like Batman being like, who is this? Who's the the thing? And then the, he gets he gets to be a detective. Yes. And it's it's such a rare thing. Like, yeah, it's the one part that every movie has never really done quite right. The the Nolan movies got close, but they never let him get to really be a detective. We know. And it's such a shame. I hope I hope Matt Reeves lets him do that. He's the world's greatest detective, yet no one lets him be a fucking detective. I know. It's so it's, it's, it's so it's such an it's such an easy thing. And it would be cheap as shit. You can yeah. do it really easily, especially if you have someone like Robert Pattinson. He would be great at like at like working over clues. Like he could bring Man. that like he could bring that Matt Damon looking at problems on like uh, chalkboard shit. Like he could do that. I will say one thing, and that is that Scott Snyder tried. Failed, but he tried. Scott Snyder, what do you mean? Uh, making Batman a detective. Batman versus Superman. He's trying to figure out who Superman is. That's mostly what Batman does in that movie. I mean, I, guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Scott Snyder is a... I, I, I love... Or Zack Snyder, I, Scott Snyder. Zack Snyder. I was like... I was like, I'm pretty sure Scott Snyder's like the writer of Batman who did a really good run on him. That's who I'm thinking um, of. Scott Snyder's great. He also did American Vampires, which is also really good. American Vampire, by the way. You wanted to oh, you know what? I'm gonna save that for the end because I have an I have an ending question to both of these movies for you. Okay. So we spoke of oh my god, what was it we were saying? Oh, Kevin Conroy. Fucking brilliant in this movie. He's so good. And he's been the voice of Batman throughout all the animated series. They've brought him back a hundred different times, and he's just he's just good. Did he voice the Batman in the video games? He did, yes. He's okay. also the voice of the Batman in the video games. I was like, this voice sounds very familiar. I will say this, I'm not too old to admit this. Turned 32 this week as I told you my birthday. It's taken me 32 years to get the engagement joke. What? So, remember before he flashes back, Bruce is at that party? Uh-huh. And, oh. and he says, and she says, don't say the word married around Bruce. It makes him nervous. By the way, Bruce Wayne just has like four women hanging off of him. It's so funny. Ugh. Like, Paul Dini, Paul Dini knows how to make the character of Bruce Wayne look exactly what he should be. Very cool and also kind of gross. <laughs> but he's not, he wants none of it. True. 
these three women are like, don't say the M word around Bruce. It makes him nervous. And this one girl goes, what about the I word? And he, and she, he goes, the I word? And she goes, engagement? I've never put it together. I'm like, oh, engagement starts spelled with an E, you dumb broad. Like, you, you stupid woman who would sleep with Bruce Wayne and marry him because you know what he is. Oh, God. Like, just, just so dumb. She, just the way she does. What about the I word? It's a solid joke. It's like it's a double. It's a double at least. Oh, so let's see. Oh, so we flashback. We also see in the flashback we see him as a prototype Batman. I guess is that how you would put it? You see him kind of as like the like young first year Batman. No, no costume though. Yeah, no, like kind of like the Frank Miller year one. He's got the ski mask on. Yeah, which is just like fucking the lowest level Batman. <laughs> it's so great. They do it in Nolan's movie. They do it in Begins. Yeah, where he's he's got like doesn't have like any of like the protection. Oh <laughs> my god! Shit I love the scene too where he flips onto the ground. And he's like on your stomachs now, and he goes, "Who's this guy?" All the all the secondary voice actors are straight out of like 1950s movies. It's great. Oh, I love it's so good. Like, Ugh, I love it so much. Say your prayers, sucker. Uh, you're just like, oh, God. By the way, the drawing in this movie is fantastic. You mean the animation? Yes, yes, the animation. <laughs> the drawings in this movie. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. Let's try that again. The animation in this movie is fantastic. Okay, there we go. <laughs> no you take two. Know. You take two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, they are good. It's very good. Yes, the animation in this movie for especially for like '93. I wrote for the time too. Kind of I like know people. I know people who are like, "Oh, this looks okay," and I'm like, "No, no, you have to remember what year this was made." Like, it's kind of like tail end of like hand drawn. Like everything's hand drawn, <laughs> and there's clearly some moments where I'm like, "I don't know if the lips are matching." <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I'm okay. It's like there's some lip sync issue here. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful American animated movie. I miss it, 2D animation so much. Ugh. I do too. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Batman is once again trying to figure out who like pushed Chucky Saul off this roof. At the same time, we see another gangster going to uh, Chucky Saul's grave, and his name is Buzz Baranski. And this was the one guy I didn't know anything he was involved in. And Buzz Baranski is once again visited by the Phantom. And... Or the Phantasm, and this thing, like, fucking pushes a grave on top of him and kills him, like a giant, like, cryptic angel. I don't I don't know. I'm just trying to get through this part. That guy gets fucking murdered. Yeah, he really does. Like, at this point, you're like, oh, the Phantasm's a bad guy. Like, wow. Chucky, Chucky Saul got off easy. The other guy, oh, boy. Fucking D-E-D-E, what is it? D-E-A-D, dead. Wow. Couldn't yeah, get through exactly. dead. Exactly. Huh. Huh. Yeah, so, that guy's dead. We keep going back and forth between flashbacks and like the real world. We flash back again and all of a sudden we see Andrea Beaumont and Bruce further into their relationship. It's like a summer love. He's taking her to the exhibit of the future. By the way, I want to shout out. This is an amazing setup for what's going to be your final scene of the movie. Yeah, it's very good. They really do a nice job of setting this movie. This movie is insanely well written. It's really well put together. Yeah, like they... and. That's why I think it might be one of the best Batman movies ever made. Yeah, it's definitely better than some. I think we're all thinking of the same one. Yep, it's definitely better than at least one of the Nolan movies. That's fair. I'll give you that. 
I'll give you I think that. We all know which one I'm talking about. Yep. Let's hope you're talking about the right one. Because Dark Knight. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I I wanted to save it to the ending, but he he just had to be he just had to be cute. I'm Tyler's joking. Gonna, Tyler's going to be in my house next week, and uh, let's hope that tune changes before then, because uh, we're not going to have miles and miles between us. It's going to be raw and real. We'll also be uh, taping this one. We're just going to be foxy boxing the entire time. Oh, it's, uh, no. Yeah. no, no, no! I'm just <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. No, you better read your contract. <laughs> All of a sudden, he came into me. He's like, I can't do the podcast. I love Naomi. I'm like, you're under contract. Let me show you what you've done. I don't like that I'm Robert Evans in that. I don't like that at all. At the same time, we finally see one more gangster. And his name is Sal Valestro. Great name. Do you know who plays Sal Valestro? Uh, let me look. Well, let me tell you. Abe Vigoda played oh, Sal right. Valestro. That's right. Yeah, I think if Harry Dean Stanton's your half-star stud, I'm going to have to make Abe Vigoda mine. I think I love Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda is good. If you combine him also with Dick Miller, this movie's already got two half-stars. That's fair. Abe Vigoda's character, Saul Valestro, sees that these people are getting whacked and all of a sudden like, decides, I need to do something about it because they're both connected to me. One might be one thing, two cannot be a coincidence. I don't know how he puts that together, but... <laughs> Just go with it, you know. Yeah, this movie's seventy. I, yeah. This movie's seventy-six minutes long. Just it's really, know, go with it. So he goes and he tries to hassle the DA. What's his name? Councilman oh. Arthur Reeves. Yes, Hart Bachner. Hey, John Boy. Or as you all might know him as, and I wrote this. Oh shit, that's Ellis from Die Hard. I always this guy sucked in this movie for some reason. Sal Valestro says to. The councilman, Arthur Reeves. Council, the councilman, he says, he says, we have to get Batman blamed for this. We have to take care of it. He's connected to all of us and he's connected to you. So something happened in all of these people's pasts that this phantasm is coming to visit them for. Mm -hmm. And we start to find out that as Bruce was dating this Andrea Beaumont, her father had dealings with these men. And we start to find out that perhaps they kind of screwed him over and like it's now down to only a few of them are left. It's one of those things where we were talking about how Andrea Beaumont is a really good original character and that that's, mm -hmm. that's definitely not something that they needed to do or something that definitely something that would be out of the ordinary. I hadn't seen this movie. I'd seen half of it. I didn't really remember it very well, but as soon as Andrea Bowman popped up, I don't know if it's because I've already seen this movie or because like she's like a character just like not from the universe. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, she's the phantasm. So you figured it out. Like, yeah, yeah. She so, has to be. Like it's like, yeah. duh. So you, you find you don't know it until a certain point. You're not sure, but the it's 100 percent true. And I'll say this: even as a kid, I figured that out. I'm like, well, I don't know who she is. She has to be the phantasm. Like, yeah, like it's yeah. pretty like, yeah, all right. But the movie doesn't ever hinge on the audience not knowing who the phantasm is. Well, and it's it, because they do the one great thing that a movie like this does, which at this and this is the other thing they've never done with a Batman movie. This is a detective story. Like, this is him trying to figure it out and you as the audience going along. That's why you should do a Batman movie as a mystery because it works that way. It's never about the what. It's about the why. And we, the whole movie, you're not trying to figure out, like, you're not trying to figure out, or it's not about the who, it's about the why, excuse me. 
You're never trying to figure out who this phantasm is. You want to know why they're doing this because there has to be a reason. We're seeing all these flashbacks. These mobsters are roughing up her father. And you come to find out that these mobsters fucking like butchered, not butchered, like he embezzled from them and they got back at him. He even though that, or he paid them back, they still came and like whacked him because they are fucking mobsters, I guess. Is that the best way we could put it? Yeah, pretty much. It makes sense. And the Phantasm has gotten Chucky, he's gotten Buzz Baranski, and now the only one left in the group is Sal Valestro. Mm-hmm. And Sal isn't getting help from the councilman who told him, I'm not going to help you. I also told him, you sound like you're dying, which he sounds like he is. Mm-hmm. So we then see Sal get out of his car, and he's weirdly at the place that we see Bruce take Andrea Beaumont to, which is the city of the future. And I've never put a lot of, I, as a kid, you're not watching this, you're like, oh, I can't wait for Batman to punch somebody next. So you can like jump around the room as a little kid. I didn't put this together, but the line that he says when he gets out of the car, he says, if there was just some other way. I've never realized what that line is hinging on. And that line is hinging on that we are now getting the setup to the punchline that is the last character who comes into this movie. Yeah. I hate that song. Gasp. Can it be? Old Sally the Weezer Velestra. Welcome, Paizon. <laughs> it's been a dog's age. Hello, Joker. Didn't mean to drop by unannounced. And that's the fucking Joker, voiced by Mark Hamill, which I have no problem saying is in the three greatest Joker performances of all time. I mean, yeah, I don't really rank uh, greatest Joker performances. Um... There's enough of them to do a three, though. So I there's will say... There's enough to do, like, probably, like, five, I want to oh, say. Yeah, probably. But I'm just saying, like, I mean... Oh, he's... fuck. I mean, I got to leave I gotta leave the number one spot open for Joaquin Phoenix, you know? Just, like... You, you don't know that so much. I, you know... I got a good feeling about that movie, though. I got a bad feeling about that movie. That movie's going to be, like, real bad. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's going to be great. But... He shows up and the Joker is there and he wants to hire the Joker to take out this phantasm. I kind of don't like that the Joker is here. Like, I get it. You kind of need like a rogue gallery, like a rogue gallery. You need a wild card. You need a wild card. And yeah. Well, I mean, guarantee you he was all over the trailers for this movie. True. It's, I don't care about the Joker. Like, I don't like it. You know what I like about it, though? You know what I do like about it? A, you get to see the Joker given a big budget, like, in terms of an animation movie treatment on the big screen. There are shots of him that are so good. Like, the first time he walks out after he shoots those singing robots, and then he says, I hate that song. And then he throws the gun away, and he goes, gasp, can it be? And, like, the camera pulls in super tight on his face. The animation on that is just fucking gorgeous. Like, and they do it also again when uh, he's inside the councilman's office, and he says... He says, he goes, ain't it the way and our tax dollars pay for those idiots. And like the lightning hits like three times and like it's just his face with like the lightning behind it. It's so fucking good. Like I understand you might not want him in this movie, but I I, I don't think he ever drags this movie down. I don't think so either. I think maybe it's just my like personal Joker fatigue. Like I just like I kind of don't. Gotta look at it, though, from that era. There wasn't Joker fatigue. I got, yeah, we no, were, there wasn't. We were lucky, yeah, we were lucky if we got a fucking Batman movie every four years. Uh, I mean, I thought, well, at that point, there had been, uh, what, the two Burtons. 
I don't think the Schumachers had happened yet. I think maybe the first one might have or let was about look, to be released. Let me look this up. But go, in, go into what he does with Sal here. So basically Sal makes a deal with like the devil um, and was like, if you take out the Batman... I don't know what the deal really is other than just like I think he said like two million up front, a million more to finish him off or something. Yeah, it's just money. And like, I mean, 1995. So the Batman Forever okay. had not happened yet. So the first two had happened, but Batman Forever hasn't happened. OK. And then, of course, the, the masterpiece is Batman and Robin uh, a few years after that. Um, that, mo- that movie has its own special place in my heart. <laughs> Like the thing is, is, like I do like that Ava Goda is like, we'll pay you money, and the Joker's like, sure, but like you know, the Joker doesn't care no, about money. He doesn't even say that. He says, oh, what do I need with money? Yeah, like the Joker's yeah, like, like an anarchist. Like it's, like, it's he doesn't almost, care about money. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost insulting to him. He's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, he goes, or or no, what he says, what do I look like? Pest control. And it's like, then Abe Vigoda kind of grabs him by the jacket. By the way, I love the line where he goes, don't touch me, old man. I don't know where you've been. Like, just like, because like, you're like, you are. Okay, so here's my next question for you. The minute the Joker sees Sal, do you think he's already decided to kill him? Yes. Okay, because yeah, I do too. There's like, there's about two seconds, maybe, where I don't think he is, but there's one line in there where I'm like, oh, that's the moment he decided to do it. The Joker is just like a pure, like chaotic, evil character. It's very true. So he ends up like saying, I'll take the job, Sal. He kills Sal and then like stuffs him full of dynamite, I think, right? <laughs> what a way to go. By the, by the <laughs> way, like an exceptionally violent movie for a Batman the Animated Series. It's a real hard PG-13 it is, and it, and it really works for it as well. The Phantasm shows up to take care of Sal Valestro. Sal Valestro is dead. He has a giant Joker smile. There's a camera in his lap that's looking up, and the Joker says, oh, you're not Batman. Oh, well, I'll blow you up anyways. Tries to blow him up. Batman sees this, uh, tries to stop the Phantasm, and then we get into this really great, like, fucking chase sequence. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it, that reminds the- me a lot of your one as well. Yeah, the the world of tomorrow is just such a fucking cool thing. It's just like this like fifties retro futurism that I just ah anytime I see it, love it. It it is quite good. So we get Batman like chased by the police. He gets away because Andre is there. This is the first time I think they actually see each other. And that is not in flashback. This no. Is... no, no, no. She saves him. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's oh fuck shit. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Andrea, Andrea is there. She saves him, and this is the first time they say like, and she, at this point we're supposed to believe that her father is the phantasm. I believe is that what you get from it? I think yeah. You're supposed. To, it's like hinting that Carl Beaumont is like bad. By the way, by the way, Carl that. Beaumont and the phantasm both voiced by Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Yep. This movie has a lot of good voice talent God, in it. Stacy Keach so good. I think I wrote Stacy Keach. I bet that was a boozy recording studio. <laughs> Do you have any side characters? Anyone in the like the Batman mythology that's in this movie who you wanna who you wanna talk about? I mean, James Gordon gets like, you know, they all get like, but they almost give him a great like not gonna be in this movie line. You want him, you get him. Like, yeah, just, he's yeah. like not in this movie. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> I love Alfred in this movie. Who, I want to look into who. 
Ephraim Zimblist Jr. Yes, Ephraim Zimblist Jr., who voices Alfred in this. And if we can give, I think, my favorite comedy line of him is, I diapered your bottom, I bloody well ought to. Just giving Batman the endless amounts of shit that he deserves and needs to keep him kind of grounded. Uh, Ephraim was like a... The guy who, did Alf, who played Alfred was in a bunch of like TV shows. Mm-hmm. 77 Sunset Strip. The FBI, which everybody knows now from Quentin Tarantino's new movie and Maverick. So, Oh, hold on a sec. He is also in Wait Until Dark. Why do I know that? Ooh, wait Until Dark. That's no, no, funny. I know why Wait. I know Wait Until Dark. I just want to know who he is in Wait Until Dark. Sam Hendricks. Is Sam is Sam her um that might be her husband? Uh, is that? Let me look. I'm looking at the cast right now. Yes, it's Audrey Hepburn's husband. Okay, so Sam Hendricks. Oh, wow. Wow, that dude voices Alfred? Mm-hmm. Weird. Yep. That's a weird connection. Man, wait um, Until Dark. What a good movie. Wait Until... Yeah. We, we may talk about Wait Until Dark at some point. Not only that about Alfred, that he's also incredibly funny in this movie, there's like two really good moments of dramatic acting from that guy. The scene where Bruce first puts on the mask and like the response Alfred gives of the my God is so chillingly good. Yes, very yeah. good. And we'll get to the other one in a second. So at this point, we don't know. And we also find out that the Joker was once like worked for these three mobsters. It's like kind of their enforcer. I don't like that. I I know. I know. We don't know his origin story. Although I got to say, it's not the worst thing I've seen for an origin story. Seen a lot worse. There's a lot of Um, bad ones. By the way, how how unintentionally funny is the? What's that? What did you say? I said looking at you, Todd Phillips is Joker. We don't know. We don't know. By the way, how unintentionally funny is the moment where Bruce discovers that it is the Joker by just drawing a smile on the picture? <laughs> oh, no. Like, just just the way Kevin Conroy delivers that line. Oh, no. Like, and you just sounds the... like Keanu Reeves about to bail on a fucking wave. Like, oh, no. Yeah, that's about right. So... The last scene of this movie takes place where we first see Andrea and Bruce falling in love, which is Tomorrowland. Is that what it is? I don't know. Can we say that now? The world of... Tomorrow. Future... I forget what it's called. World of future tomorrow. Who cares? Whatever. Batman's on screen. Shut up, you little kid. The Joker's there. He's living there, I guess, which is just wild so weird and yeah. like his relation to the robot is like oh he's so banged creepy. that robot it's at like, least once it's disgusting and <laughs> down rusty just fucking punts that dog <laughs> it's a so, mark hamill's joker is a very fun kind mark, of mark, mark hamill like just just throwing i mean and is great in the animated series too like he's he has been the Joker as long as as Kevin Conroy has been the Batman, and they've always been excellent with each other. There's there's a level of gamesmanship that those two understand in the voice acting, just that just works. It's a very good back and forth that they have. They know each other pretty well, and I bet they don't even record in the same like booth. I wouldn't be surprised. It's insane. Like they record probably at different times. He's living there and the phantasm shows up. And it's at this point you find out the phantasm is her. It's Andrea Beaumont. And you find out that her father was killed by those three mobsters. And actually they didn't kill him. They sent the Joker to kill him. And she's been getting vengeance on all of them. The Joker is the last piece to that puzzle for her vengeance. She comes to take him out. And the Joker, put, by the way, the Joker, an equal opportunity ass kicker. <laughs> 
Boy, I mean, he kicks the shit out of her at one point. It's not great, but, like, also, I guess if the bad person is a woman, like, I don't think Batman is going to stop. I don't know. Oh, Batman would have broken that up. He knows what the Joker is. Yeah, he realizes that he's got bigger fish to fry, I guess. I don't know. It's just, I don't love it when Batman's hitting or, like, fighting women, because I'm just like, eh... (laughs) Well, we don't we don't know at that point that it's a woman. True. When he fights her. True. He does stop, I think, once it's revealed that it is Andrea. Because he has the Joker that he has to fight. That's right. Okay. okay yes. Okay. Okay. We can just edit all what I just set out. That's no, fine. you're you're good. So the Joker and her get in a fight. We not only get to see tough and like throwing punches Joker, we get to see psychotic Joker as well. But we also get to see giant gadget Joker. Like he gets to run the gamut of Jokers in this movie. You went from the, like, 30s Joker to, like, dark 80s Joker to, like, 60s weird Joker. Oh, my God. It's so great. And he has a giant wind turbine that's going to suck her up. By the way, Batman shows up in his very convenient, and I'm sure it was a toy at the time, Bat Cycle. Yeah. And uh, throws it into the fan. It breaks. And he has a Bat Cycle in the Nolan movies. He does. That's true. And he goes after the Joker in this giant makeshift city. I'll say this. I think this might be my favorite Batman-Joker fight. It's a good one. It's because it's so real. Like and it's like, also like they don't... pretty short. Like it doesn't go on for too long. No, but it's just like. But I mean, like, and then he chases him down, and we get to the last moments of this movie where, like, he drops the Joker to the ground. Him and the Joker are both beat to hell, and the Joker looks up, and there's Andrea Beaumont again, and he goes, "Okay, I give up. I surrender." And the place starts to like explode and go up because the Joker set it to rig to blow. Because if he can't escape, no one's escaping. Batman says, Andrea, you have to listen. Like, we have to get out of here. And she says, no, one way or other, it ends tonight. And she tells him goodbye. And it goes to, um, that's, by the way, the other great, amazing moment, in my opinion, from her, is just when she disappears into that fog. Yeah. And he gets out, Batman gets out, and the Joker is just laughing as the smoke clears and they're both gone. We don't really know what happens. It's kind of one of those things you're just not really sure. I think it's supposed to be inferred in the language of the movie that they both die. No, but think about the ending of that movie. The moment on the boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, does she kill the Joker? Mm. I thought that the ending on the boat was another flashback to her leaving Gotham. But I guess it could be... uh... Because he finds that thing in the cave. Yeah, he does. Okay, Yeah. yeah, yeah, all right. Which, by the way, you want to talk about Alfred has all the silly moments, everything. That speech he gives to Bruce at the end. I, I worry about you every night walking off that cliff. Like he says, he goes, but you haven't. Like you're, you're a good man. Like it's such a beautifully brilliant moment. And mm. it's like, it's exactly what he needs to hear. That's the beauty of that Alfred character. Like, and that dude plays it so well. He loses Andrea and we're not really sure, but he's now kind of like, it is a very year one movie, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. it's kind of like he's becoming a more callous Batman, essentially. Yeah, like the flashbacks all take place in his first year, but this one is definitely like he's been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Now that it's kind of over, he's much more of a... Like, I think he's just... It's one of those things where it's like... The thing about Batman that I've always found interesting that people don't really delve into is the fact that he will never win. Even when he wins. Yeah, no, like, he, he can't, can't be happy. He can't stop crime. Like, it's just going to keep happening. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's a lot of, like, the really interesting stuff is, like, the idea that, like, he is a causing factor in his own thing that he is fighting. Yeah, the Joker because he... exists because Batman exists. Yeah, 
It just um, it has to be. So I think it ends in like this really interesting place where it's like instead of walking away, he continues to fight. I don't know. It's 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 a good ending. I like it. It kind of comes full circle, but it's also like leaves you knowing that like Bruce Wayne is a worse person for this happening. Like he's a much more broken person I mean, now. I mean, yeah. And at what point? Ugh. It's such a well done, well told Batman story. And it comes from people who obviously respect the material, too, because they've been playing in that universe for so long. Mm-hmm. And the animated series had like its episodes that were kind of their stuff. And like it was like, oh, what if Batman fought like a guy who did like cheetah experiments and turned people into cheetahs? But he ran the rogues gallery and they had like it's one of the best rogues gallery adaptations, too. Like it just works like on every level. And this movie is like a really nice like. So, like if it's not the crown but like it's like a nice little side piece of jewelry in like what it would be the the crown jewels of this like of this like show mm-hmm. like it's really beautifully done and mask of the phantasm is just it's so great you want to go to ratings yeah let's go to ratings what do you give it three and a half fair enough i'm gonna go four and a half i really love this movie and i've watched this movie probably since it came out so probably 1994 i've been watching this movie like consistently it just works. It's It was such an effective movie. And I, I had never seen the animated series before I saw this. So this was almost kind of a weird way to jump in. Because it's after, it's like the end of the first season, right? I believe that is correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm interested to see more of the animated series sometime now. But yeah, I think it's a good movie. I think it stands alone really well. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't really love what it does with the Joker. But, you know, that's that's a nitpick. <laughs> I can understand where you're coming from with the Joker, but I'm glad he's in there rather than not having him in there. I guess. Yeah. If it, I mean, how fun would it be if it was Scarecrow though? Anyway. I mean, that'd be, that'd be wild, but you don't have Mark Hamill as Scarecrow. That's true. You'd be some other guy. <laughs> it takes us out of our first movie and people are looking around and realizing, Oh, I shouldn't have brought my kids to that movie. And they look down and they go, I definitely shouldn't have brought my kids to this next movie. Yeah. And yeah. the next movie takes place, and we're we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We got in that time machine that only goes to one year, and we are back in 1999. And I'll say it once again, not unlike the engagement joke in the first movie, it took me nearly the amount of time that it's taken me to understand the joke, which is in the title of this next movie. And this is a movie from Trey Parker and Matt Stone, two men who at the time, at one time, were considered probably as dangerous as Eminem was once considered, or maybe Elvis Presley was once considered, or anyone who's ever changed the world by doing something that has thrown people out of their comfort zone. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone were the developers of a little show about four boys with exceptionally foul mouths. This is 1999's South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. With 70 cc's of sodium pentothal. We just called the parents. Oh shit, dude. Now our mom's gonna find out we went to the Terrence and Phillip movie again. Vacuum. Try to untangle his trachea in the esophagus. Dude! No, oh, that doesn't go there. Oh, oh. Oh. Gross, Dan. That's sick. Watch his liver. Oh, I'll get it. Oh. Oh. We have precious little time left, people. We're gonna lose him soon. Doctor, his heart stopped. Let's get it out of there. We need to zap this quick. Who's making a potato? My bad, sir. I missed lunch. Damn it. I'm not going to lose this kid. Close him up. We've done all we can. The rest is up to God. Kenny? Kenny, can you hear me? Oh, shit, dude. How are you feeling, son? Oh, so cool. Great. 
Son, I have some bad news. We accidentally replaced your heart with a baked potato. You have about three seconds to live. Whoop! Ah, fucking weak, dude! Oh my god, they killed Kenny! You bastards! Damn it! It never gets any easier! I feel <laughs> earlier in the episode you said we were going to have a talk about something um, involving a movie. Was this that movie? Yeah. Let's go into it. Okay. I'm going to let you take this. I'm going to put myself on mute for a second. So go ahead and give them the rundown of South Park, the world that it is, everything they need to know if they somehow don't know what South Park is about. Just like a little three-minute thing. South Park is like a small town in Colorado. It's based off an actual town that Trey Parker and Matt Stone grew up in, I believe, or one of them grew up in. It's based off like real friends that they both had. And it's about a bunch of like fourth graders. And it was super popular in the 90s because it, it was like this cultural moment where people were like really into like, I don't want to say edgy things because it's not really that, but like things that were fighting against the idea of like PC culture. So, you know, you get things like Attitude Era Wrestling, South Park was really popular, bad metal music was really popular because these were things that like 14 year old boys had like the buying power in america for some reason and all of a sudden everything that they liked became super popular like overnight the country Um, was the country was doing exceptional i'm gonna be on the side of the uh, boys because this was me the country (laughs) was doing exceptionally well our parents were giving us allowances for doing little to no work Mm -hmm. and we kind of had the attention of the people who are running mega records in Uh, no certain terms not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. Neither am I. Neither am I. It was a wonderful time. It was it, the golden era of being 14. <laughs> it was a time to be. I was a little bit younger than you were. For some reason, I thought this movie came out in like 2002, but I it was corrected. It came out in 1999. I was yes. seven or eight when this movie Sounds came about out. Right. Sounds about right. Um, I was super into Stone Cold Steve Austin at the time. Who wasn't, right? And I did like South Park, but I did not see this until I was probably like 14 on television, which is not the way to watch this movie. No, no, it's certainly um, it's not. Now, for you who brought children to our event tonight, um, <laughs> you probably should try to find that version on TV. But I do remember kids constantly quoting Uncle Fucker. Not even the funniest part of the movie. It's like, like, it's. I mean, it's low on my totem pole and things that are funny about this movie. I'm just going to say it now. I didn't grow out of South Park. I just never watched it at the time when it really would have struck a chord, if that okay. makes sense. Okay, but, but, and I want to say this because while I'm going to praise one movie heavily here, which is this movie... I'm also going to say and take some shots at a couple other things that I'm really not only mad about, but also a little concerned about. First of all, this is maybe one of the best adaptations of a television show into a movie that I've ever seen. I, I think I think this is maybe the if they had stopped the series, I, what what year did this come out to the series? Uh, I guess is my question. 99. So I, I got to assume that's like third season. That right? So I feel like it debuted in like ninety seven or ninety eight. It, it debuts in ninety seven. Okay, so no, yeah. maybe not that. Damn. If, if this, but this here. movie, like, th- so this movie comes out nineteen ninety nine. So yeah. they're running a season probably during it, if I'm guessing. No, because they don't stop killing Kenny until like a few years later, right? 
No, he gets a terminal disease at one point that kills him completely. Yeah. yeah. I always thought that Kenny, like this movie killed, I, I don't know, the fucking timelines were like all over the place. Cause I oh thought Kenny... my God, two guys naked in a hot tub. Do you remember that episode? No. <laughs> oh like I my said, God. I didn't watch South Park when I was young. I didn't watch it. Like I didn't start watching. Well, okay. Like, so now can I ask you this? Late high school. Even though you did start watching it late high school, which in a way is actually kind of a perfect time to see it too. I just, I didn't like it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't have the affinity everybody else has for South Park. I don't think okay. it's very good. Well, le- okay. Well now I'm going to ask you something Then I want to try to have you see maybe the movie from this perspective. Do you remember the first episode you remember ever seeing? Yeah. I mean, as a little, little kid, I remember like who is Cartman's father. And who is like that's season one? I'm pretty like sure the alien abduction stuff. Like I remember like that because my parents used to watch it. Would let me watch it for some reason, <laughs> but like I don't remember. Like my first episode, I think was like I vividly remember watching like when Stan is racist okay. on television. Okay. No, no, his dad is racist. Dad is racist. Dad, yeah. I forget, I forget his dad's name. And Randy. And I vividly remember, like, Imagination Land. Okay, so you're, like, almost what I would call... Because there's, like, early... There's early South Park. There's, like, middle South Park. There's, like, starting to become self-aware South Park. And then there's self-aware South Park. So you're, like, just at the tail end of, like, coming... Kind of figuring out self-awareness, like... Mm-hmm. The time when they start doing, like, the... like the bono and like the biggest shit award and like they did the so two they're girls really the they're, they're starting to do the they're starting to do the thing the simpsons did where instead of having a plot where metallica was incidental in it they worked a plot around having metallica in an episode uh, yeah or like having like a celebrity in it and like i remember i watched like an entire season around that era thinking like i'll it'll eventually get to me and i just like it's never like there'd be like one or two like great jokes and I just like the rest of it. I was just like, it's kind of just bad. And I don't know if that's like just mean like not being at the right age, at the right time for it to really I, connect you, with me. Because like I just I, I've always just kind of been like, I don't really like them. I don't like them as people. I don't like the show. I prefer like The Simpsons and Family Guy. And I don't even like Family you're, Guy. You're anymore. you're but not like, wrong. You're not well. Yeah, there's there's an acre of problems with that show. Yeah, um, yeah. um, to say yeah. to say this though, I want to say this. First episode I saw was Prehistoric Iceman. It's the season two closer. And I remember where I was, where I was sitting when I first saw this. This show was big. Like, mm-hmm. we can, you can comfortably say that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was okay. huge. Like, the fucking wrestlers were getting, like, rubs based off wearing their sh- shirt. Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, and, like, the show is about four boys in a town and just the misadventures they get into. But being that it's a cartoon, they can get into misadventures with literally anything. They're not limited. Yeah. And it, it was really crappy animation. And somehow this just caught people at the right moment, I would say. I, yeah, it's it's that weird, like, Bill Clinton era blowback. There's, like, not much to rebel against. So we're rebelling against the idea of things being good like being good in the traditional sense so like the animation style pops out immediately because it's just like it looks like someone did it in their bedroom <laughs> and so you're rebelling is the idea of like rebelling and so like i don't know this seems like it would speak pretty highly to that demographic i agree let's get into the movie yeah yeah let's go for the boys you pick two boys stan because i share his name and i don't want to talk about cartman so i'll talk about kenny <laughs> okay, give me two minutes on Stan. 
starting now. Stan seems like a pretty just solid straight guy. He's like the straight man, essentially, of the group. He's like the smart one. He's kind of the leader, I think, from I what I understand. That. But he <laughs> he throws up whenever he sees his crush, which relatable. And in this movie, he kind of is the the drives the plot towards the end because he has a crush on a girl and essentially gets political because of that. And I don't kind of like that. I don't know. Kenny is probably my favorite because he's the one that dies in like every episode. You can never tell what he's saying. He has like redneck parents. He seems to know more about sex and stuff like that. Like clearly is like this, like kind of the smartest one when it comes to stuff like that. I don't know. He goes to hell in this movie. That's about all I got. Oh, with 55 seconds left. I was going to give you two minutes on Kenny alone, but Jesus. Yeah, we'll do it that way. Will you set your clock for two minutes? Yeah. Kyle Brovlosky. He is a Jewish boy who lives in South Park. He has all the well-meanings parents. He has a little brother named Ike who is Canadian, who is adopted. I don't know why being Canadian makes you adopted, but it does. By the way, Canadians do not look like people from America in this movie. Just deal with that. Kyle's mother is really overbearing and does not like him doing anything that's not um, well-mannered and well-being. He's also kind of like just... I don't want to use the word like beaten down by his mother, but she's just very verbally like doesn't listen to him and everything. His dad is a lawyer. I don't have much more to say. Eric Cartman. There may never be another character like Eric Cartman. He is the bad boy of the 90s. He's become a monster over time. But at one point, Cartman was just like the ultimate fuck with you. Like, and that was the best thing about Cartman. I think it's once he eats, he makes a kid eat his parents that Cartman goes full monster, but that's a debate for another day and another show. Cartman is just this asshole, and he's the asshole of the group. And Kyle Kyle is like, Kyle is the conscience of the group, as you were talking about before. Uh, Cartman is the asshole of the group. That's my time. All right. Well, you still had uh, 30 oh, seconds beautiful. there. Oh, beautiful. Nice. I think yours came off a lot more eloquently. Nicely done. I hope so, because it felt very not eloquent in my head. No, no, it sounded good. <laughs> so those are the four friends. And we find them on a beautiful morning, and they are going to see a movie that has come out for the summer. Yes, they're going to see uh, Asses of Fire, which my favorite joke is that the movie's like three hours long. <laughs> so they are going to see Asses of Fire, starring their favorite two Canadian comedians, Terrence and Philip. Say, Terrence, what did the Spanish priest say to the Iranian gynecologist? I don't know, Philip, what? Come up with this stuff. You're such a pig fucker, Philip. <gasps> what did he say? Terrence, why would you call me a pig fucker? Well, let's see. First of all, you fuck pigs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fuck my ass and call me a bitch. <laughs> oh, you shit faced cockmaster. Wow. Shit faced cockmaster. Listen, you donkey raping shit eater. Donkey raping shit eater. <laughs> baby. She did We'll just get this out of the way. Terrence and Philip are two characters who one has a T drawn on him, the other has a P drawn on him. Ugh. And all they do is fart in each other's faces, and it's apparently brilliant comedy, which, to be honest, if you showed that to fourth graders, they probably would agree. Yeah, I think the joke in the movie is, like, it's not very good, <laughs> like, at all. Yeah, exactly. Like, it is <laughs> like, bad. The movie starts, it's, like, the first, like, two minutes have gone by, and, like, literally everybody but the boys walk out of the, like, walk out of the theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because the movie, I believe, opens up with 
which normally they're just farting in each other's faces now that it's a movie, which by the way, this whole movie is one big joke saying, Hey, you can't get mad at us. If your kids see the movie that you're watching right now, Mm -hmm. because you let them see it. If you brought your kids to this, that's on you kind of. But the thing is is that the kids like sneak in, like they're not brought to it. Oh no, no, they don't sneak in. They pay a homeless man to buy their tickets for them. Even worse. It's so great. So the movie is just like, by the way, this whole movie is a musical as well. Yeah. It's a really good musical. It's an okay musical. I fucking love it. What's your stance on musicals just as a genre? Musicals as a genre? I don't have a problem with them if they lean heavily into the camp or if they take it ultra seriously. I don't want something in the middle. Okay. Like, for example, I think Les Mis is not a terrible musical because they lay heavily into the camp. Now... They don't know they're laying heavily into the camp, but they're doing it. Tom Hooper's lame is? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Russell Crowe might be aware of it. He might One day more. Oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. I can't, I can't wait for people to hear that on the thing we just put out. The main. <laughs> oh, Priel texted me. She's like, I'm listening to that episode. Oh, yeah, I forgot Russell Crowe sings in that movie. It sucks. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. It does, doesn't it? They go see Asses of Fire, which is the Terrence and Phillip movie. It's rated R, and it's three hours long, and it has the most foul language you've ever heard. The aforementioned Uncle Fucker's song. Well, I would say Donkey Raping Shit Eater comes to mind. That's not aged well. I mean, yeah, but that's the point. The point is, like... That when these kids say this, like, you're like, oh, yeah, that would be really fucked up. Yeah. They go and see all of their friends, and all of their friends are skating, and it looks very Charlie Brown-esque, which is great. That is fun. And that's where you meet Wendy, who you said is Stan's, what crush. do you call it? Stan's crush, crush, yeah, crush, who he throws up on. God, it's funny. That is a, that is a running bit. That's been a bit since, like, episode one, I think. Yeah. I don't know if they do it. I but they probably don't do it anymore. Aren't the kids kids like getting older? I don't know. I don't watch South Park anymore. I, I don't know if I could tell you the last time I watched South Park. I probably watched last season, but I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. Like, it's, I don't know yeah. what's going on in the show. It's gone such in a different direction. I don't know. The kids eventually, I mean, as kids will do, curse in front of the wrong person, which is their teacher, Mr. Garrison. Ugh. Do you not like Mr. Garrison? I like Mr. Garrison. I gotta say, this is the least upsetting Mr. Garrison because it's just a guy with a puppet on his hand still. True, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't get mad. You can't get mad at the scene where they're on there. He goes, "Oh, I look so good in my uniform. Can't wait till we get some shore leave so I can get some fucking poontang." Like he's so gay, and it's so obvious. That is a very fun joke. I mean, it's just so funny. I will say least creepy Mr. Garrison. I don't like Mrs. Garrison. Uh, I don't like, like, I don't like Trump Garrison. Mrs. Garrison is like clearly transphobic. Yeah. It's so bad. This show, this show, the show that did not give a fuck. I understand that they don't care, but like, they're so reactionary. A lot of the issue I have with them is just like, you've actively done worse to the world because of how reactionary you are (laughs) to Billion, like to millions of people. Agreed. I agree. So they curse in front of Mr. Garrison. How would you like to go see the school counselor? How would you like to suck my balls? <gasps> what did you say? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, what I said was. How would you like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? 
Holy shit, dude. Mr. Garrison sends them to the counselor, and the counselor, Mr. Mackey, has their parents brought in. The parents say, where did you hear this language? And I think Cartman rats him out and says, like, we heard it on the Terrence and Philip movie. <laughs> Cartman, you idiot. Oh, I know. It's so great. And he goes, what? I want to get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> like, I love that Cartman is just, like, the dumbest. He's dumb in a way where, like, it's dangerous. It's Yes. It like, saves... if, if Cartman fixates on you, you're fucked. It saves Cartman from being a wholly reprehensible character is the fact that he is so dumb. Oh, yeah. But we all knew this kid. The kid who would just shoot his mouth off, who had nothing to back it up. I think the problem is, like, the longer the show goes, the more evil he becomes. Mm -hmm. So you lose this, like, kid would be all talk, and if you, like, actually pushed back on his bullshit or, like, you hit him, he would just wilt and, like, would, you know, couldn't match his are words. You, are you thinking of the uh, Christmas in Canada episode? Yeah, I think so. The, yeah, where, where he goes, that's it, Kyle. I told you if we were in Canada for Christmas, I was going to kick your ass. Come on, Kyle. And then, like, Kyle just punches him right in the face and he goes, Yee! Yeah, like, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. All right. But, like, the longer the show goes, the more you lose that type well, of character. Because he was at one point just the fat kid that they made fun of who hung out with them. And they've morphed him into this guy whose mom is not only his mom, but his dad, which is the first season, by the way. And this guy who, if you fuck with him enough, will feed you your parents. I mean, he's just this unstoppable little thing of evil. He, you know what he is? He is like if Damien was here, but he had zero powers. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is just like I think the show, much like with The Simpsons, has just gone on for too long. I agree with you. Move on. Do something I else. I agree. I, I wish The Simpsons would have stopped after that movie. That movie was a good place to end it. And oh, I, blew I, it. By the way, I hate that movie. What? I like that movie. Oh, nope. There are, there are three things wrong with that movie I cannot forgive. All right. We'll um, talk about that off yes. the air. Yes, we will. We have, um, we have a different animated movie to talk about. Yes, we do. So the parents try to stop Terrence and Philip. They can't because this movie's gone like huge. By the way, they also have the number one single in the country, which is the rap remix of Shut Your Fucking... That's, by the way, the funnier one, in my opinion. I love that joke. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. <laughs> like, and it's just got like Canadian women dancing in the back. God, Canadian people, by the way, are block-shaped. And their mouth like does the... It's so good. I you do are, like that. You are a bad man. Yes, I do like I do um, like the way the Canadians. Why, why Conan? You loved our movie. We laughed at it together. <laughs> what have I done? Do you know who played Conan O'Brien in this movie? No, is it Conan O'Brien? No, it's Brett Spiner. Do you know Do you know why that's funny? No. Well, Brett Spiner, I'm pretty sure, is the guy who does Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. I think Brett Spiner is actually the dude from Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah, he's oh, Data. Oh, that's who... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of someone else. I am yes. thinking... Of, yeah, no, that is Brett's... Oh, my God, that's funny. I mean, okay, so what we're talking about, the Conan O'Brien scene, Terrence and Philip are on Conan O'Brien, and Brooke Shields was also on the show, and you know that because fucking one of the... Terrence or Philip just slaps Brooke Shields. Oh! It's not... <laughs> It's not a real Brooke Shields. It's a cartoon. I know. I don't want to invoke this show, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to use the line here from Peter Griffin. What do you want? It's a cartoon. Uh, I agree. It's not great. By the way, yeah. Google that line on your own time and see what's going on in that scene. It's horrifying. They find out Terrence and Philip are going to be on Conan. And in typical South Park, it doesn't just be like, hey, let's ban this movie in our town. Sheila Brovlosky shows up, Kyle's mom. And gets Terrence and Philip arrested. 
and are going to have them killed on TV before they have the war with Canada. Uh, blame Canada. Blame. That was a good song. I like that song. It was nominated for an Oscar. That's the song I would nominate from this movie for an Oscar. Do you know who performed it at the Oscars? I do not. Robin Williams. Wow. All right. <laughs> if you have not seen that video, I recommend you do yourself a favor. I'll be doing it's, that after. It's, been, it's fantastic. And do you know the story about the Oscars with these two? They showed up high on acid. Well, yes, that's part of it. In dresses. Yes. And, like do, you know cool. what, and do you know what they said to every single person who interviewed them? Whenever the person would get around to this question of, well, who are you wearing tonight? They'd be go, it's just such a magical evening. It's just, it's just so magical. They are interesting people. I got a gift card for Amazon, and anytime I get a gift card to Amazon, like half of it goes to dog food, the other half goes to me buying DVDs. And I was looking at basketball today and thinking about it. I won't lie to you. Those two make I, me laugh. I need to rewatch basketball. I wish they would do stuff that isn't South Park. They're quite good at it. Team America is an excellent example of that. You also have Orgasmo in there. Orgasmo's wonderful. It's a movie. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. What else is the other one? I've, I've oh. heard Book of Mormon is fantastic. And uh, Can Cannibal the Musical. I've never seen that one. I can't. It's a weird movie. I bet it is. <laughs> Shot on so, yeah, that, well, that sounds right. So, well, we've given Trey and Matt their dues. Um, right. yeah, that's go, go, go see Basketball. It's on Netflix. That has Ernest Borgnine in it, I think. Academy um, Award winner for Marty, Ernest Borgnine. That's him. So they take the two Canadians hostage, and Terrence and Philip are going to be executed at a big USO show before they go invade Canada. Canada says, you must return them to us. They're like 87% of our revenue. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the best, one of the best jokes. You can't take Terrence and Philip. They're 80% of our revenue. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yep. Oh, also, they, they, the Canadians strike back by bombing the Baldwins. <laughs> hey, Alec, do you know what sucks about being a Baldwin? No, what? Nothing! They bomb it, another family, too, right? Uh, you see, it was a devastating day for the Arquettes. That's it, yeah. <laughs> by the way, the, one of the greatest lines me and my friend Nathan do every time we're like, or anytime we like quote this movie, we go, Hey, Alec, you know what sucks about being a Baldwin? What? nothing <laughs> like it's so great what their problem is with alec baldwin i'll never know nor do i want to i mean alec baldwin's an asshole sure that's fine i mean if that's what they need to do God, oh, i love it's... when like they miss billy and like haha you missed me, you and, missed, like, me. The next... <laughs> missed me they bomb them uh the canadians are we okay we need to talk about the boys at this point they're kind yeah. of just living through this war with canada and they go see the movie again, even though they have a musical number about not swearing, which is called Don't Say Fuck It, Say M.K., which is a great song. Great song. Um, there, there are some great, there are some cracking songs in here. Like, this pretty is a good, great song. Pretty good songs. There's a, a, one or two where I'm just like, do we really need the Brian Boitano song? <laughs> that one, that one's a little much, but it is still really funny. I do love the line. He goes, what is it? He goes, he was fighting Kubla Khan. And he goes, he kicked him right in the balls because Brian Boitano doesn't take shit from anyone. I had to fucking Google who that was. Brian um, Boitano. I had no idea. I was like, who the fuck are they talking about? And it's like a like an Olympic ice skater. Yeah, it is. It's it's <laughs> fucking hysterical. Like, Which is like, I, I, I'm like. And how great is the joke at the end? He goes, like, how great is the joke at the end? He goes, hi there. And he goes, who are you? He goes, I'm character actor Brian Dennehy. And he goes, no, we didn't say Brian Dennehy. We said Brian Boitano. Get the fuck out of here. And he goes, oh, 
bye. And like, just like goes off screen. It's like, why did they feel the need to tell us about Brian Dennehy, the character actor? Weird shot at Brian Dennehy, but I love it. It's not, I don't think it's a shot. I think it was them just being like, we like Brian Dennehy. (laughs) They become political because they don't want to see Terrence and Philip killed. Mm -hmm. And it's at this point, they start law resistance. Mm-hmm. Also, also, Kenny dies, by the way. And goes oh, to Kenny hell. does. Oh, and that's right. They Satan do the movie and... Yes, that's right. Kenny does. Minor die. subplot we have to talk about here for a quick second. That's right. I'm sorry. You're right. This movie will not make sense at the end if we don't. You're right. So they go see the movie again, and Kenny lights a fart on fire because he's dared to by Cartman. It kills Kenny. It doesn't kill Kenny. The doctor's putting a baked potato in where his heart does no, kill no, that no, kills no, Kenny. Not, not the doctor's. The doctor voiced by George Clooney, who's credited as Dr. Doctor. Is he really? Yeah. That's, That's his name. It's Dr. Doctor. And George Clooney, by the way, huge proponent of these two gentlemen from the start. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who sent around the Christmas card. Mm-hmm. Which, back in the day, George Clooney sent around a DVD Christmas card of, like, the first thing they did, which was the characters from South Park. It's like Frosty and Jesus? Yeah, I think so. No, it's Santa and Jesus. It's like Santa versus Jesus. And, yeah, that was the start of South Park. And... It's, yeah, they kill Kenny and he goes to hell. By the way, the scene where he's like heading up towards the angels, by the way, all just huge titted women with all their tits out. <sighs> and he hits the button to go to heaven and it just says denied. And it's and you get the big metal song. Oh, little boy, you're going to hell. And by the way, the population for heaven is like 1,800. <laughs> and like hell and like hell's numbers are just jacked through the roof. We also get I, Gandhi, I believe, in there, if I'm not you mistaken. You get Gandhi, you get Hitler, you get uh, Rippin' Metallica song. And they land. he lands there, and then Satan is there to greet him. And how do we talk about Satan? He's <sighs> a giant red man. He's also gay. I don't know. It's not. I don't like that. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. He's, okay, you know what? Can I say this in Satan's defense? Yeah. He's the second most offensive gay character in the movie. Oh boy, there's there's just oof. there's another one that's somehow even worse. It's pretty incredible, actually. Hats off to you, boys. You managed to do that. So Satan is the Prince of Darkness. It's it's just Satan. It's a big red Satan guy with hooves and everything. But he also was like, he's like, oh, you never talked to me right. Like, he's he's an effeminate gay guy. And yeah, it doesn't hold up well. But like, at the same time, I guess the best thing you can say in its defense. He's the devil. He's not a good person. Like well, well, no, no, that's, no, no, that's, no, 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 no. I'm not worse. Say, no, no. I don't think it does make it worse. I'm not saying like that. Like the the worst person in the world would be gay. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like it's also the devil. This character may or may not exist. It's a work of fiction. Like, but but still, you know, I get what you, I, I understand what you mean. I'm think, not trying to say I that. Think I'm not trying in to give it the benefit of the doubt. It would be what wouldn't it be funny if the the, yeah, the devil. Dark Lord was also an effeminate gay guy. But that's like, it's a joke that you could only make in the 90s and yes. like get away with. Oh, yeah. Um, if a show did that now, it would be like, it would, people would be like, really? <laughs> like, unless oh, yeah, it's coming no, from no. a gay person. Like, r- like really? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I, I completely agree with you on that. It, it is very much a thing of its time. So he meets Satan and you find out that Satan is dating... Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein, yeah. And they have a really dysfunctional relationship, and Saddam is just like a real fucking gaslighting dickhead, and Satan just kind of takes it. It's 
bad. They learn that because Terrence and Philip is going to die, that Satan will finally take his place on Earth. Who would have guessed the blood of two Canadians would be kickstarting the apocalypse? Yeah, this movie's yeah. <laughs> real okay. short to get through. It is, it is. But the movie is about the boys starting, and it's from that plot that the boys start Law Resistance, which is trying to save, because, of course, in the Goonies-esque world, these boys would band together and be like, we're going to get Terrence and Philip out of there. We're going to save them. Also, Dan's crush Wendy has become enamored with a new boy named Gregory. Who's kind of... I, he's got to be a reference to something, right? I think Gregory is just a reference to every rich asshole type. He's, like, smart and kind of knows, like, a lot about the world. He's worldly. And is also... He has a British accent, too. Yes. He comes up with a plan to break out uh, Terrence and Philip. I believe my favorite... One of my favorite lines of dialogue delivered back to Gregory is when he tells Cartman what to do, and Cartman says, don't tell me what to do, you French piece of shit. Like... Yes. (laughs) Which is so funny. Oh, also, small shout-out to a scene that's really funny that you almost miss. There's a moment where they say, like, all Terrence and Philip merchandise will be banned from school, and there's just a girl with a shirt that says Cockmaster on it. It's so fast, but it's so funny. That is pretty Uh, good. They start Law Resistance, and they say, okay, we need to start Law Resistance, and we need to help figure out, like, how to get them out of there. We have to save them. And... Cartman says, make sure you offer punch and pie. More people will show up if there's punch and pie. Which... And there's people who ask if they have punch and pie. And when they go, <laughs> no, they leave. Which is... We were allowed to believe like there'd be punch and pie? There isn't any. Oh, just two kids get up and walk out. Oh, so... Gregory, of course, shows up. Wendy shows up. And they... The boys' first idea is to prank call police and send them a bunch of pizzas. And Gregory says, I'll get you in touch with a man who will do it. His name is the mole. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'd I'd like to point out, if there was a character in this movie who I would want Tyler to play, I would want to see him play the mole. I can't help you. I'm grounded in my room for the next three days. So are we. Our parents think we're home right now. Why are you grounded? Why? Because God hates me, that's why. He has made my life miserable. So I call him a cocksucking asshole, and I get grounded. So will you help us? Very well. Meet me in the backyard in five minutes. Viva la resistance. We'll show God that we're not going to fucking take any more. Christoph, get in here. Coming, mother. I feel like I'd be a pretty good Zimbo. Yes. <laughs> Come on, God. Come on, you pussy. <laughs> like, uh, so this is where the movie goes full mad camp spy. Yeah. This is probably and the best part of the movie. This is. The ending of the movie is fantastic. And also at this time, by the way, they have put a V-chip in Cartman as a test product. <laughs> And the V chip. Be- oh, by the way, the reason they do it is because Cartman sings a song about Kyle's mom being a big fat bitch, which is one of the best songs in it. Yeah. They put the V chip in Cartman, and every time he curses, it shocks him. By the way, I sent a picture of something to you like that this week. I did see that. I did laugh. It did. It you, made me laugh too. You sent it to me right after I watched the movie. Like That's I finished right. it, and you sent it to me. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, if I can remember, just remind me. I will. The mole is this character. He's a fucking kid, first of all. We gotta say that. He's their age. He's, like, nine years old. But he's, like, this French kid who, like, is dressed as, like, a guy who would be tunneling out of, like, a World War II prison camp. It feels very... Uh, the Great, Great Escape. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. I think that music's in there, too. Yeah, I think they use it, like, a little quick cue of it. Shut off the power, Cartman. I love that he tells Cartman to do one thing and Cartman can't do it. It's so good. It's, <laughs> fucking, it's so goes, funny. Yeah, that's kind of my bad. Like, <laughs> 
just doesn't like doesn't take responsibility for it but it's like yeah it's kind of on me like whoops on that one <laughs> yeah. yeah that's kind of on me the mole is gonna sneak them in and he says he goes you all stay here i will free terence and philip from the stage because they're they're on this big stage so this big this big event is happening it's a uso show before canada gets invaded by the united states they're gonna execute them and then invade canada all the guys are there from the town. All the dads have signed up for the army. Everyone is there, including such star-studded celebrities as Winona Ryder and Big Gay Al. Can we talk about Winona Ryder real quick in this movie? Yeah, it's not it's not played by Winona Ryder, but... Winona Ryder's famous ping-pong ball trick Ugh. is so funny because it starts off, you think it's so filthy, and then it's just her hitting ping-pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> I love the line, I did it! I didn't miss a one! They even cut away from him at one point, and you hear two soldiers go, Winona Ryder's doing a ping-pong ball trick. Oh, we gotta see this. Like, it's it's a really funny movie, dude. Like, you gotta admit, oh, it, does, no. it, it does not hold up because of what year it came out in. But for its time, it's a very funny movie, if you can accept that this is a movie that is in all bad taste. Look, there's a lot of South Park I don't particularly care about. I don't love Cartman. Just like, oh, his joke is that he curses. Like, you know, I don't like... You know, it's, there's some things that I don't like, but that joke, the, like, baked potato, like, there's gags in this that I think are really well constructed. Oh, oh yeah, and they couldn't be done anywhere else but a cartoon. Like. Yeah, and they make me laugh. Like, this, I don't hate this movie. It's, it's definitely not, like, a one star. Like, you know, there's, mm -hmm. I did enjoy some of it. Okay, so it's at that point they're going to throw the switch after all this, this stuff, and then the boys are like, we have to stall for time. And he goes, he goes, do, do something more, more Big Gay Al. And like Big Gay Al, by the way, you want to talk about the worst represented character of the homosexual community, <laughs> Big Gay Al. By the way, I do believe Big Gay Al has been replaced by Mr. Slave at this point. Mr. Slave is also not a great character. <laughs> they, by the way, I think they tried to use Mr. Slave to replace Chef at one point because he would give like people advice and it does not work. But yeah, okay, no. Big, Big Gay Al. I mean, he's a big gay guy whose name is Al. I think but that's... it's also like if every gay stereotype was rolled into one. And what is the song he does? I forget. I'm super. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm, I'm not proud of what I'm about to say, Tyler. Oh, but oh, the line of the song, I'm you. so sorry, Mr. Cripple that I just can't feel too bad for you right now is I every time I I am wearing my knee out by how hard I'm just laying my fist into it. It's so funny. And I don't know what it is. I think it's the way he goes, I'm so sorry, Mr. Cripple. Like, I don't know if it's just the way they time the music, but it's so funny. And it's it's their adaptation of a lavish Broadway number. Like, that's exactly what it is. I get why it's there. I just wish it wasn't. I get you. Big yeah. Gay Al's was offensive at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. So and has aged worse. Oh, I agree. So, never forget, though, George Clooney also played Stan's gay dog, Sparky. Jesus. Don't they make what fun you... of him in, World, in Team America? Oh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, they do. I wonder um, how he took that. I'm sure he was fine with it. I bet. I, was just I, I guarantee, I bet he sent them like a tiny molded face of him. He's like, here, here's this. So they're trying to get Terrence and Philip off the stage. And all of a sudden, like Carmen, who didn't shut off the power, the guard dogs see the mole and chases him. And we get one last, by the way, you want to talk about a really nice moment? 
the moment where the mole is holding on to, I think, is it Stan? He's holding on to Stan. And he's like, he starts singing the song. By the way, beautiful little number of having all the songs melded together in that one moment. That's another reason why I think it deserves like such a, a talking to for a musical where they do that big interlude of all the songs together. The movie's well-crafted. I'm not going to like shit on that. I'm not going to shit on like how constructed the movie was it's smart like i'm not gonna not gonna make fun of that it's just it's humor that i don't care for i get you i get you so they kill the canadians and all of a sudden (laughs) a war breaks out yeah a war breaks out and satan and saddam oh yeah that's right the canadians bomb everyone and they come over the hill and Terrence and Philip get killed by whose bullets we don't know but satan and saddam show up and it becomes this thing where like What's going to happen? And oh, by all the time, this time, Cartman's V-chip is like malfunctioning. I think it's because he's just still been cursing and it's just been shocking him. Doesn't it like weaponize? I think, yeah, I don't know what happens to it. Maybe it's just he he, like, when he super curses, it just like shoots electricity out of his hands. Something gets shorted in it and that's what starts doing it. Yeah, But yeah, you, you find out like that he's been able to now use it. And it's at one point like, Satan is like, okay, like, I am Satan. And all of a sudden, Saddam's like, no, I'm the Dark Lord now. Like, y'all bow to me. He's like, be quiet, bitch. Like, you're better seen, not heard. And, like, Satan just, like, can't do anything about it because, like, Saddam's kind of the abuser and he's the abusee, which sucks. Like, but then all of a sudden, Cartman's like, Cartman's like, fuck this guy. And, like, shoots a little lightning bolt at Saddam and realizes he can use it and just starts letting loose a barrage of curses the way you have never heard. (sighs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> which now by the way the last curse he says is maybe the greatest one what is it barbara streisand no oh, that's right that is really funny and just lets loose a power then kills saddam go sends him to hell and oh uh, no satan throws him to hell oh that's right satan throws him to hell Satan's like fuck you and due to kenny kind of being the one to help satan like have the power to do that because kenny earlier in the movie says hey he's an abusive asshole you should leave him he says to him, I will give you one lish, wish, little one. And he says, I wish this would all go back before the war so no one was killed. And, like, they say to him, like, Kenny, you realize that that's going to kill you, too. Like, you'll go back to hell. Kenny says, like, yeah, I'm aware of it. So, and that's that's the other really beautiful moment is where um, they're all like, bye, Kenny. And I think they don't bring Kenny back for a little bit after that. Yeah. Do you know who played Kenny? Who? In the movie? Uh, when he takes his, like, his, his... His hood off and says goodbye? Mike no, Judge. Is that really? Mike Judge, yeah. He says, that's like, the two words where he just goes, like, goodbye. He says, goodbye, guys. Yeah, like. I think like, really? Mike, like Mike Judge's, like, real voice, too. Huh. I'll be danged. Yeah. It's, like, it's a nice little cameo. That's the least It is. Oh, I'll be danged. Thank you for pointing that out. Now that much smarter about this movie. Mm-hmm. They go back to normal, and we have this moment where people realize, hey, you know what? Maybe getting bent. I mean, and it ends the way every South Park episode ends with us kind of learning a little lesson, despite how disgusting the humor is. And they don't do this as much anymore, but it's the lesson is like, hey, maybe don't get bent out of shape about like a movie with dirty words and stuff. And hey, if your kids go see it, don't put that on the movie. Put that on you as a parent for letting mm-hmm. it happen. Like Kyle stands up to his mom at one point and says, I'm not going to let you hurt them, mom. It's not that it's not they did not do anything wrong. Like I did something wrong. You need to like put the blame on me, not on someone else. And it's really well done. And also that there's more important things than fart jokes and people saying dirty words, you know, like, yeah, like when the war starts happening and they're like, oh, this is actually like bad. (laughs) 
this is not what we want. We don't want like violence because like that's worse for our children than. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, and she says that she says show. she says violence is perfectly fine as long as there is no naughty language or sexual content around it. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about it. So if you have something to say, I will. I will say this. Do you have any personal favorite joke? Oh, the I think I said last week the baked potato joke. Yeah, there's like, like four jokes in that like five seconds that I think are just like so well done. I love, too, that I think the guys running around the ER while they're trying to save Kenny are all supposed to be characters from ER. I think so, too. Yeah. Like, the uh, bald guy clearly looks like, who put a baked potato in here? Sorry, sir, I didn't get to have lunch. Like, they all look like ER characters, and it's really well. And George Clooney is just, like, what a what a cool thing. Like, just yeah. reinstilling why George Clooney might be the coolest human being. I didn't realize it was George Clooney until watching it this time. Uh, it's, it's it's such a, just a good funny joke I, I will say i will say every scene with the mole just destroys me like i think and this is not an okay thing to say but just the line where is your beautiful faggot when you need him now like because he's just mocking god every second he's on screen just like and just like and just the way those two use cursing is actually kind of beautiful there's a real art to the way they throw some curse words together yeah. and, each, and each character has their own kind of unique way to curse it, they do it does feel very like how children uh do curse which is i think you know that's that's true right yeah i would not disagree with that so what do you give it um i think i gave it two and a half two and a half yeah it's good i have problems with it i don't think it's necessarily like poorly made i think they made the movie that they wanted to make it's just not for me I gave this four out of five. I think this is a brilliant comedy. I think this is a brilliant musical. Also, I like when a musical's funny. That's that's never a bad thing. It's it's okay to lend some levity to stuff once in a while. It doesn't all have to be dour and serious. And man, it works. And just like every character in that 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 thing, you're you're just I don't know. It was I think I saw it at the right time. I think that honestly is what it comes down to. Is there a musical comedy? What do you mean? Is there like a comedy musical other than this? I would say um, Little Shop of Horrors is a comedy musical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like a comedy musical. Yeah, no, I think I think this is pretty good. There are, oh, Grease is like a comedy musical, kind of. I suppose. All right, yeah, okay, there's a couple. All right, all right. Uh, it's, all right. The, it's the funniest musical about abortions that I've ever seen. Uh, oh, boy, and, the, right. and the least funny, actually, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that's until we do Vera Drake the musical. Oh, yeah, that is happening. Me and my, me and Mike Lee, we're gonna get together. I'm, I'm gonna get him on that. No, no. You said you had questions for me. Oh yes, I do have a question. I want to close it out on this, and I want to hear just your thoughts on this. Here is my question for you. Both of the movies we talked about tonight are based on television shows, correct? Yes. I would like to ask you, and it has to be an animated show. If you could adapt an animated show into having a movie. And you can make it whether that's the end of the show. It could start up a whole new series, whatever. I would like to know what that show is. Because I have an answer, but I was curious to hear yours. I thought about this throughout the week. Well, they gave the greatest animated TV show of all time, Teen Titans Go, a movie recently. That was fun. That was a real fun movie, actually. I don't... Off the top of my head, I'm not... I'm kind of drawing a blank. They gave Daria a movie. Beavis and Butter has a movie. That's a fun movie, too. Simpsons have a movie. There's this TV show called Mission Hill. I know it's a really weird poll. Is but that I really... the one with Hulk Hogan as the principal? No, 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 no. Mission Hill is like this, like, I think Jay Oakley 
and one of the other Simpsons writers went off and did like a season of it. What's it about? Fucking, it's a brilliant season. It's about like these 20 year olds who live in San Francisco, who live in Mission Hill, San Francisco. And it's just like they're kind of like their lives. It's like a really like laid back cartoon. It absolutely rules. It only got a season and I think it deserves it deserves like an actual send off. Okay. Uh, it would enough. be way too late because it came out in like the 2000s. But like, if I could retroactively go back and give it like a like even like a TV movie, just like doesn't have to be like a feature film. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Here is mine. I think it's time to close the venture book. That's but a good I, choice. But I, but I think it should be a big budget movie, animated, yeah. not not live action or anything. I want an animated Venture Brothers movie, and I want it now. I love Patrick Warburton, and that may be the best character he's ever played. And he played Putty from Seinfeld, so say what you will with that. That show is so rich with mythology, I think that's an unbelievable, couldn't-miss idea, even though nobody knows what that show is. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. I'm re-watching season seven right now. I just bought it. Fuck, is that show good? Oh, they care so much about story. Mm-hmm. Like, everything yeah. said, there must be a giant book that they have where everything is written down. I feel like there has to be, like, a Bible to it. I just looked up, yeah, Mission Hill, Bill Oakley, Joss Weinstein, 13 episodes. So you can get through it pretty quick. I'm going to look this up and watch it. It's pretty good. It's really good. Last time I watched it was, like, four or five years ago. So, grain of salt. But I really like that show. Okay, I'm going to look this up. Well, so... What's coming up next week? <laughs> it's a four out of five. What's the what's the questions you had for me? <laughs> I just I feel like I feel like all of a sudden like you you have one security guard at our theater who knows to grab me when I go off on a rant like this at the end of the movie, and I'm like you get your hands off me, Albert. <laughs> like I'm, all fear I'm just like I'm just doing the like the like throat slashing sign to him. It's like he's just in the front row. There's just one seat that it's always reserved for Albert. <laughs> And he comes every week. He fucking hates movies, too. So no, no, just... no. It's the opposite. He always comes with, like, a giant popcorn and a soda. <laughs> so he loves his job. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you have Alfred, the, the well-meaning security guard. And um, I'll be like, oh, you can't silence me. I tell you, it's brilliant, damn you. Brilliant. It was pointing out things before we knew him. Get your hands <laughs> off me. No, next week. Oh, you want to? Oh, Albert, you're gonna have a fight in the parking lot, and you're having a fight next week, Tyler. It's Mount Rushmore. Who's it about? I believe we agreed before he was rudely dragged to the parking lot and beaten by that man that is definitely not on my payroll. About uh, Mount Rushmore, about uh, Christopher Nolan movies, right? Whoo! Oh, he put up a fight, but let me tell you, uh, nothing that fifty thousand volts can't take care of. Whoo! <laughs> oh, goodness, Tyler. Let me tell you, I don't know who that rogue was, but oh. Oh, sad to see him go. He was a steady customer. $5 (laughs) every week. Woo! Yeah, no, we are going to do Christopher Nolan movies. Yes. And we are going to do, it's our episode 20. And that means we're going to do a show where we take our four favorite movies, and it is our Mount Rushmore of a director. And it's not always going to be a director, but for now it is. And the Mount Rushmore is the idea of, if you were to say we need to build a monument to a director like Mount Rushmore... For a certain director, what would these four movies be? What would be the four faces you would see up there that would say, oh, when someone looked at it, they say, oh, that's this. For example, Tarantino, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I those really were. Like the, I really like the order you put that, those in. Put Jackie Brown first. 
It doesn't. That could mean it was first. You don't know. But I those always were, read those things were... in descending order. <laughs> Fair enough. Jackie Brown was not fourth, okay? It was second. It was first. <laughs> first it was not first. It was not, not first. Shut up, Senior Love Daddy. All right. All right um, I'll come back. So, where's that guy? Is he back? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I paid him off. He took Tyler. Thanks, everyone. No, but we will honestly be talking. I wonder if people appreciate the sketches we do, or it's just I... you and me pretending we're talking in front of an audience who just fucking, won't leave. I fucking hope so. <laughs> I do too. So next week we will be doing the thing. We get four movies that we pick. We're going to get descending order of time. Uh, Starting with number four, we get two minutes. For number three, we get a minute and a half. For number two, we get a minute. And for number one, we get 30 seconds. And in that time, we have time to talk about why we think those movies should be in contention for this Mount Rushmore. And as you said, we are doing Christopher Nolan next week. Let's give them a little taste of what Christopher Nolan has done. Memento. Batman Begins. Insomnia. The Dark Knight. The Prestige. The Dark Knight Rises. Dunkirk. Interstellar. Following. Inception. Fuck. <laughs> That's pretty good. Inception, and then he does Dark then Knight Rises. Rises. Then he does Interstellar. Yeah, and then he does Dunkirk. Dunkirk. That's and right. And then he Dunkirk. has the Tenet in a year. Did you see the trailer for that, by the way? No. We're going to do tiny trailer talking for a sec. That looks incredible. I'll go see it. Oh, dude, that's the reason to go see Hobbs and Shaw in some ways. I went to Riverside. I got fucking two slices of za, a beer. I think I drank two beers before Dunkirk, and I was buzzed as fuck. And that movie, that movie was real fun, kind of drunk. It is. And we will be talking about the films of Christopher Nolan next week. He's a, he's a very important director. It's kind of almost weird. His trailer came out for his new movie, if we could have timed that better. Oh, well. Yeah, you, uh, you would think we were getting paid by these people, but we're not. What do you call it? We're an equal opportunity theater. If we don't like your movie, we're going we're gonna to tell you. We're going to write it on a poster. But yeah, so that is for next week, episode 20, the Mount Rushmore of Awesomeness profiles Christopher Nolan. And for Two White Guys Talking Film, I have, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. And remember, guys, don't leave before a movie is over like the people did during Asses of Fire. You never know what you're going to get. Turns out it was three hours of just vulgarity that nearly caused the apocalypse, but you know, whatever. Canadians. Please welcome Academy Award winner Robin Williams. Oh my God, they killed Kenny! Times have changed, our kids are getting worse. They won't obey their parents, they just want to fart and curse. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? Now, blame Canada! yourself for your son's stand he saw the darn cartoon and now he's off to join the clan and my boy eric once had my picture on his shelf but now when he sees me he tells me to myself because when canada is gone there'll be no north to lead the earth 
They're not even a real country anyway. Kenny could have been a doctor or a lawyer rich and true. Instead, he burned up like a piggy on the barbecue. Should we blame the nurses? Should we blame the fire? The doctors who allowed him to expire? No! Think Canada! With all their hockey hullabaloo and that bitch Anne Marie too. can say is I give all this Canada everybody Can I finish? Okay, I'm finished.